With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. It is round two. It is part two of a very, very important series. It is our three-part series on the nature boy, Ric Flair. Shout out to Ric Flair, but more importantly, shout out to 90s Ric Flair, which is really what we're covering on this part. Yes. Part one was the 80s. Part two is the 90s. Part three is the beyond of Bed Bath & Beyond. We look at the 2000s and just avoid TNA like the plague. Yeah, you know, yeah. the way that I consider it, last week was the flair for the gold. This week, uh, or last week was flair for the gold. My name on, on, on this was flair for the old. Uh, I just changed it to flair for the older because he's just a little older. He's starting to get a little rounder on the edges uh, as we progress here in these matches. But you know what? It's still the same uh, charismatic man through and through, and, and it's still Ric Flair. He still knows how to work a match. That that doesn't get lost. And like we saw that even in his retirement match, like the one he just had where he's 70 whatever years old. Oh, like no, he's still, I didn't watch it. He still knows all the bits. He's just it's just your body doesn't do the thing. Your brain can do it, but your body yeah. just doesn't work the way that it used to. I mean, isn't that I mean that's what the Undertaker, you know, Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. For a lot of it, you know, yeah. he can do it. He knows he can do it. He just can't physically do it anymore and that's why you become a producer so you can then let these young whippersnappers who just you can give him hey here's the thing to make your match a little better you know or you just become adam pierce and you just get beat up adam pierce is a good promo adam pierce is a former nwa champion that's you all put some you put some respect on his name all right let's do the housekeeping stuff before we dive more into rick flair in the 90s wherever you're listening be sure to rate five stars and subscribe it helps the boys out tremendously Follow the podcast on Twitter. It's the most important place to find us at Crossbody of Work. Fullpressshop.com. Cop the merch. Support the boys. That's a speed record for getting through all the housekeeping. Ric Flair in his 90s. In his 90s. No, Ric Flair in the 90s. Ric Flair would wrestle into his 90s if he could. Oh, uh, Ric Flair's got to make it to the 90s. That's true. Before he can do that. 90s Ric Flair is this weird combo of... The most popular man, I think up until like, I'd say 95, he's still like 80s Ric Flair. Like he has a lot of that bravado still. Mid, late 90s Ric Flair is like, this guy's been here forever. He's fought everybody. Like he's just becomes this like upper mid card. He can can be the world champ for a while. It's this weird liminal state for him, which is how I first met him. Like when I first started watching, I was like, "Who's this old guy?" It's there's I can't even really compare him to anyone in WWE nowadays. But like maybe if you look back a, a few years, it's like the, 
not the same because Ric Flair was still good. It's kind of like that whole that big show and Kane were in for a while where they were just like, we've done this with everyone and there's not really that many new people coming in here for us to do it with. We've had so, so many iterations of our characters like Ric Flair. The character remains the same. That's the weird thing is like, unlike these other guys, like the takers, big shows, Kane, Flair is just Flair yeah. in all aspects at all times. He's just Flair. He's the charismatic king through and through. True. But it's going to be weird to see, to kind of go through his his evolution here as, as the 90s go on. But let's go right into the first match. One of... I see what you did there. Yeah, right? One of two War Games matches on the pod. Uh, it is Wrestle War 1991. We have a team of just baby faces versus the horsemen, but they add a horseman because one horseman was injured. So we've got... Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiners versus Flair, Wyndham, and Sid Vicious, who are all members of the Horsemen at this time, and Larry Zbysko, who technically isn't a Horseman, but Arn Anderson pulled him up because he's hurt. War Games! Um, I was I, waiting on that. B- before we dive in, can you explain War Games? Because I feel like there's there's this, this small chance that there's somebody out there who's listening who's like, I have no idea what a War Games match is. Oh, so War Games is basically a, a gigantic hell in a cell. Yeah, um, two rings. Two rings. And the way it works is it, it's, it kind of works in the fashion of, of an elimination chamber without the eliminations where people go in one at a time on both teams. They just kind of go through one. All right, so it starts off with two. One guy from each team, and then one person goes in from one team, and then a couple minutes later, another person goes in from another team, and it isn't until everyone is in the ring that you can decide the winner. And that is called the match beyond, which makes it sound like somebody died. Like, that's... that's yeah, well, I mean, like. look, man, we'll get to it by the end of this match, but it fucking looked like a dude was about to die. That is true. Uh, this babyface team is exciting as hell. Sting, Pillman, and the Steiners? I saw I saw freaking the Steiners, and I was like, oh, baby, I get some Rick. I get some That's Scotty. Right. Some, like, Sting is the least exciting of the bunch, and it's fucking Sting. It's Sting. Uh, it's Pillman and Wyndham to start. Pillman is hurt, but wants revenge on Wyndham, who I guess injured him a couple weeks prior. Uh, the best move in this whole little area, there's not much that happens in the first little bit, is Pillman grabs the cage seal like the ceiling of the cage and Hurricane Ronald's Wyndham? No, which it's is not. That's it not the not best the one. Best move. No, the best move was the fake out moonsault that, that yes. Pillman did. My man faked him out completely, and then Wyndham ducks, and Pillman just fucking yeets it onto him. That was hilarious. Uh, Pillman is biting Wyndham. He's busted open like two minutes in. Poor Barry. Wyndham has no offense, by the way, for for like at all. It's just a hot start completely from Brian Pillman up until the advantage comes through, which follows a coin toss. By the way, this is the first time I ever saw a coin toss in a War Games match. They usually decide that beforehand. Usually, especially in WWE, like if you've seen these in NXT, they decide them usually with a match before. Like, hey, these two members of the team are going to have a match or this these one guy on each team is going to have a match. To determine the advantage. Here yeah. they did a live coin toss at ringside. Which and they're like, which is wild. They also, like a hundred percent, it's a double-sided coin, right? Because there's yes. no way the heels weren't gonna get advantage. It's always going to be the heels. The winning team's obviously the horseman, and Flair is the next guy in. Yeah, shout out to Flair. Flair looking very uh weird. 
I don't know. Last time we saw Flair, he had the longer hair. Just the haircut. And I don't. I just could never jive with Flair, like especially because it's kind of similar to the haircut that I have now. Um, yeah. So it makes me feel even weirder about it. Ric Flair is in the ring. He's chopping Pillman. He's he, they're obviously working over because that's the whole War Games thing. Is the heels are going to get the advantage? Because it's weird for the baby faces to just be beating down on the heels for the whole match. Like it's a really yeah. weird thing. Flair is also just wooing at Sting through the cage. I fucking love that. God, Ric Flair is just, he's just the ultimate shit talker. It's amazing. Um, they are working the shit out of Pillman's shoulder. So his shoulder's all wrapped up. It's been injured. Commentary is like, oh, it's speculated that it could be a separated shoulder. You know, mm-hmm. the way commentary does. Um, they just put this man through hell for um, two minutes, however long he's in there by himself. Two minutes. And then here comes Sting, who you know, Sting! Sh- shots to Flair and Wyndham, double clothesline by Sting. Flair is trying to chop Stinger, and he's no sells. No sells. Oh, yeah. I I still don't like it. Like, I don't like no-sells. Unless you're a really big guy and a really small guy. Here's the thing is, like, we come to find out is nobody fucking sells the chops from Ric Flair. Yeah, this whole, this episode in particular, nobody sells his goddamn chops, even though we all agree they're excellent chops. I mean, we just gotta, at some point, we all have to come together as a society and decide, yeah, maybe Rick chops from Ric Flair probably don't hurt as much. He's not a very big man. He doesn't do him very loud, you know. The loud part like, is the like woo. Walt, it's not like Walter. That's or true. It's not. It's not. It's not like how you know the the, the guys in the two thousands used to do it. You know, he, he turned Seamus's chest into mincemeat. Yeah, and I got hungry watching it. Um, <laughs> Next is Zabisco. Fucking he Zabisco. doesn't do a lot. Who in my notes I just called Larry because it's we've done so many matches with Zabisco in them. And I still can't fucking figure out how to spell his last name. Give me your best guess to spell Larry I know Zabisco. This, I know it's Z B M. I think it's Y. Yep. E. No E. To fucking S K C K O. I don't know, man. Z B Y S Z K O. Zbisco. It's like fucking. The Coach only K. the only real vowel is at the end. <laughs> it's like Coach K. I will never know how to spell fucking mike krzyzewski's name it's because it doesn't it's, it's just it's coach just, k makes no sense yeah it's just never happened filming it's a figure four windham sting dives from one ring to the other and clotheslines poor zabisco as he gets in the ring uh and then we get a baby face again and it's larry steiner not larry steiner who's larry steiner it's rick steiner with headgear who i called rex for the longest time because i had Braun breaker on the mind apparently but also we have two ricks in the match and that's weird but also two steiners there's nothing really good to call him Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, Rick. Rick Flair. We're literally what are we doing, doing this episode? episode about? <laughs> I was like, who's <laughs> the other Rick? It's because I was thinking about it with the K. I was like, there's no other Rick in this. Yeah, there's Rick and Rick. It's all about how you pronounce the K. It's it's Rick and Rick. Rick. Uh, uh, he clotheslines Flair and Wyndham. Who, it, Wyndham is a fucking bloody mess at this point. Yeah, Wyndham is in absolute shambles. He doesn't really do much in this match aside from get his ass beat and help in a double team situation. Yeah, he was all about the set, the setup, and the feud with Pillman, and then he just sits in the corner and is bloody. And we need to have a conversation about because what? Because Barry Wyndham's haircut is an absolute atrocity. He looks like a little peasant boy from the 1400s. Dude, he just doesn't, it doesn't, he needs to have the long blonde, or it's not going to work. It just doesn't work any other way. 
Uh, here comes Sid Vicious, another big tall blonde fella. He goes across the ring to Rick Steiner, and Ric Flair hits Steiner with a low blow. Ric yeah. Flair, the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah, he gets some help from Sid. Um, then he gets comically rammed repeatedly into the cage by, I believe, Sting. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's comical. It, I love how F- Flair's ability to comedy sell is great because it's a real like he does it in a realistic way. For everything except the flare flop. No, the flare flop is just great. <laughs> just the, the face plant is excellent. Just, just uh, excellent. Our last person is obviously the other Steiner. It's Mr. Scott, who does not look like any version of Scott Steiner I know. He looks like... His face looks like an NPC before they like put actual textures into it. And... He normally he has a lot wilder hair and that's tamed down, but it's not like blonde or anything. It's just generic. Like he's very just generic. And it's weird because it's Scott Steiner, the least generic person that's ever existed in wrestling. He's the weirdest man alive. But yeah, he's in it's, and he hits a tiger driver? Like <laughs> Yeah, Tiger Driver 97, baby. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, Sting puts on a Scorpion Deathlock on Flair, and then the camera pans away. So I have no idea what happened with that. Yeah, Sid, Sid works the shoulder of Pillman even more. He rips the tape off it. And this is where I realized, like, we have some born supremacy camera work, man. Like, just shaky handy cams all the time. I don't know if anyone's noticed that about the Bourne movies. I swear to God, every cameraman is running with it just in his hand. At all times in that movie. I mean, that's kind of the point, no? I get it. It's a stylistic thing. But ho- I walked out of that movie and I felt car sick, which is crazy. <laughs> um, at one point, all the baby faces put on figure fours on the heels. Yes. Nobody's is- submitting, though, because horsemen are strong. Yeah, horsemen, horsemen are strong like ox. Um, Sting presses Flair up into the cage. So my man is basically doing fucking shoulder presses. With Ric Flair right up yep. onto the cage because the cage isn't very tall. If these people are it's all really six not. feet tall, it's probably eight. I, I would guess the it's eight feet. Sid Vicious looks like he's having a hard time. Yeah, and Sid's only like six eight, six nine, six eight. He's, yeah, around there. Yeah, he's not like the tallest guy. He's tall, but he's not like the tallest man in professional wrestling. Pillman gets a little bit of offense here. Him and Flair trading chops, and then Pillman is hungry and bites Flair. Oh, and that's a beautiful thing until he gets absolutely launched into the top of the cage by Sid, who then just power bombs him. And I want to say it's a power bomb, but no, he sandbagged that motherfucker because Pillman landed right onto his shoulder and he which, scorpioned his which neck. Which was, was the like, whole point, right? Because he's got oh. the injured shoulder, so they just crunch him. Vicious picks him up a second time. Second power bomb is more like a legit power bomb. Like yeah, he actually lands a normal on, power bomb. on his back. And who comes out to make the save? Question mark. Not even a save. He's just like checking on him. I didn't realize that the giant Gonzalez was an EMT. Yes, El Gigante is his name in WCW. I'm sorry, what was that? El Gigante. What was what was the second part of that? Gigante. It's Gigante. Okay. You show me the H. It's El Gigante is here. <laughs> Where is it in my fucking name, Evan? <laughs> that is a great point. Good counter. Argument one. Uh, no, you know, he's here. He th- rips the cage door off and throws in the towel for Pillman and just like cradles his little body and carries him out of the ring. Yeah. 
It's like I didn't realize a stretcher job could be done by a seven foot six man. I didn't know you could throw in the towel on a war games match. I didn't know you could just on behalf of everyone just go, no, 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 this guy's done. Listen, I thought it was the match beyond, you know, I guess. I thought you just had to make like Roddy strong. And once you had your big move of the match, you just sit in the corner dead. Yeah, I guess I guess we're the beyond pitches. I don't know. <laughs> this is a really fun war games match. They're like yeah, it, It's good. just chaos the whole time. Yeah, this and, is the Fla- and Flair is, I would say, like the second, like second in MVP behind Pillman. Oh, Pillman is absolute. Pillman is, is the unanimous. He is Tom Brady. Yeah. What Tom Brady has done in the NFL a couple times, he is the unanimous MVP. But you know, it's got to be Flair next, probably in terms of the in-ring work and the actual character yeah. work. I'd say Flair next, yeah. then maybe Scott Steiner. It's Which is weird because he was just shit. in for yeah. It's one of those two. One of the guys who came in last. Yeah. Anyways, we've talked a little bit about this story before, but in between this match and our next, it's actually the promo for Flair. Yeah. Uh, there was a contract dispute between Flair and WCW president Jim Hurd. Uh, what do you remember about this? So Jim Hurd was like, "Oh, Flair is old. Flair, we don't like Flair anymore." So he didn't offer him a very big contract. And not only did he not offer him a contract, he was kind of going to force him into a gimmick change, in which Ric Flair, the biggest star in professional wrestling, probably history in North America in this territory region, uh, is definitely in WCW, is going to be Spartacus. He's going to shave his head, wear a diamond earring, and go by the name Spartacus in order to, quote, change with the time. Flair had already lost his position as head booker, uh, but Jim Hurd wanted to make his demotion even further down the card. Uh, Flair disagreed with the proposals, and two weeks before Great American Bash, Hurd fired him and vacated the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Flair had left the WWF and was still recognized as NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That's the thing. You're going to fire somebody, make sure you get the belt. Because he brought that shit Uh, to WWF. Yeah, well, the other thing was the NWA would make the champion put down a deposit on the belt. So Flair had that deposit down, which basically means, like, while he didn't fully have legal custody to it, he had a financial claim for it that needed to be returned. So WCW couldn't take the belt for him until he got his money back. And Ric Flair is about that money. So Ric Flair would go to WWF. He would have a couple of feuds. And then his biggest moment was the winning of the 92 Royal Rumble from the number three spot. It's where we got the fair to Flair thing from Bobby Heenan on commentary. Hour long, he lasts to win the vacant WWF championship. Uh, We've looked at the 92 Rumble. Flair's performance is fantastic. Oh, but not as good as this post-match promo. And that's what we're looking at is the post-match promo of Flair. It's one that I think everybody has heard at least one of the lines of. Yeah, it's it's arguably, the I would say it's the best promo of his career, but it is, it is just art. The entire thing, not even just Flair, just the whole spectacle of it all. He's there, it's him, he's got the, he's got the, the winged eagle belt, which is the, in my opinion, the best belt that the WWE Championship has ever... Like, it's the best WWE Championship, aside yeah, from, obviously, the Spinner Belt, because the Spinner Belt is the GOAT. You, Why did you ruin it? It's because it's it's because it's nostalgic for me, Evan. Okay. That is why. I get, I get it. He He's there. His his uh, associate, Mr. Perfect, is there. Heenan is there. 
Gene Okerlund's doing the interview. And I, I think this is always true. I love post-match interviews when wrestlers are exhausted because I feel like they're very authentic and yeah. it comes across very real. Like a lot of the stuff that got buried on the WW.com or app or like the web exclusives when they're interviewing guys, when they just get back from the, from the match, it's always usually really good. Like Dude, Kevin Owens was the king of the dot-com post-match promo. Kevin Owens has a lot of good ones. New Day, I feel like, had a lot of really good ones. Uh, especially because it's, like, weirdly one of the only places they'd let E talk for a while. Yeah. Which, like, why were we not letting E talk? Sami Zayn would have a bunch of good ones, too. Like, guys who we know are good promos, maybe just didn't get a lot of promo time. And part of it's just, just like, I feel like when you're tired, you just lapse into what you know. And what, you, what they know is just, like, their core. And it becomes very authentic and flair in this promo is just, he's happy to be the world champion in his words. Yeah. I mean, first line is, it says that the belt makes him the real world champion. I want you to do the big line. Oh my God. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment of my life. And you believe every goddamn word that man says. Oh, absolutely. He just, it's the way he delivers it. Yeah. I also didn't realize how understated the last part is. He's just like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And it's like, holy shit. It might the only be. Way Sorry to, to stay- however many wives you had at this point, Rick. The only way to stay number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you are the king of the WWF, you rule the world. We get a lot of woos. Uh, Bobby Heenan, who's just been hanging out behind, yeah, just says, I was never more impressed with anything I've seen in my life. And while that's happening, Flair's just staring at the camera. Holy shit, it's terrifying. <laughs> By the way, it doesn't, we have not talked about this enough. What a great fucking trio that is. Ric Flair, probably the greatest, like, pure manager of all time in Bobby Eating. And fucking Mr. Perfect. Who is perfect. It's what he does. It's sensational. Who can't wrestle because of injuries, I believe. But it's just, it's so, it's just a great addition to the group. And yet, the best part of this promo is yet to come. And it's Gene Okerlund, baby. So Heenan goes, we're, uh, sorry, uh, Perfect goes, we're not the guy, the kind of guys to say we told you so. And then Heenan joins him in saying, but we told you so. And then Gene Okerlund, go go ahead, just just tell the people. Gene Okerlund's trying to ask him a question. And obviously someone in the room has decided to smoke a cigarette. And Gene Okerlund, being a very health conscious man, stops mid-sentence, mid-promo, and just says, would you put that cigarette out? I fucking put that cigarette out every time I laugh every time I know it's coming and I ju- it's just he's got this quick dad reaction of like put that out and it's like, oh Jesus sorry oh, Gene. God okay sorry sir uh it's it's an iconic moment it really truly is there's that and then there's the uh that one time where he had like something fall in the background and he's like fuck <laughs> God bless Gene uh Flair finishes saying I want to jump I want to party for the Hulk Hogan's, the Savages, the Pipers, and the Sids, now is the Ric Flair's. 
and you all pay homage to the man. Uh, Woo. Just a great problem. It's chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Go watch. If you need a link to the promo, you can obviously just Google it, but also it's on fullpresswrestling.com. Just go watch it. It's good. Yeah. All the other matches are there too. Yeah. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we got Ric Flair in the main event, quotation marks, of WrestleMania. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back from the break, after winning the Rumble, Flair would begin feuding with Randy Savage over the World Heavyweight Championship, but also over Ric Flair's sordid past with Miss Elizabeth. It's the disrespect Absolutely. that he had towards the, the first lady of wrestling. That's right. The title match at WrestleMania 8. It is not the main event, though in today's world it would be called a main event match. Do you know what the main event is of WrestleMania 8? It's Sid against Hogan. It sure is Sid against Hogan. Uh, but instead, we got Ric Flair versus Randy Savage, WrestleMania 8 World Heavyweight Championship match. I like this. What did you think of this match? I like it quite a bit. I think it's a very simple story that they tell, but I think it's just two guys who are really crisp at what they do at this point. I like the psychology of it. Uh, because it, it, it's obviously it's Savage wanting to get his hands on Flair because Flair, you know, has been tormenting him and his wife for, for the, saying all this stuff about Elizabeth. And obviously he's, you know, Savage has a history of being a, a uh, pretty jealous lover when it comes to Elizabeth. So, oh, yeah. so, we know, so we know, you know, he's he's not exactly going to be too kind to the words that, that Ric Flair is saying. But, you know, all these stories, all these obviously made up stuff that, yeah. that, that Flair has done uh, and is, you know, pretty much using to to denigrate fucking Miss Elizabeth. Uh, so Savage wants the title, obviously, because, you know, is this the thing that Flair cares about most? But most of all, he wants to beat this man's ass. And that is what he does for the first part of this match. He chases Flair to start, finds him in the entryway. Perfect pull Savage off of him, which gives Flair time to recover. Back in the ring, though, Savage with a clothesline, knee to the back, clothesline again, back elbow. He's doing really well. Flair doesn't get any offense until he finally drops Savage over the top rope, gets him onto the apron. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, he, he he gets him on the apron. He does, he gets him back into the ring, does this delayed suplex for a near fall. Brick Flair, we are, obviously, he's a professional wrestler. He's a strong guy. I was like, wow, that's a really good delayed suplex. Like, Well, here's the thing. The thing with the suplex is I feel like a lot of the strength from that comes from obviously you're the person, you know, being able to balance themselves on top so that you're not wobbling as much. But also it's really a lot of core and like kind of maybe even hip strength. 
more so yeah, than upper fair. body strength. Yeah. And if anyone's going to have fucking core strength, it's Ric Flair. That man is all core all the time. That man is going 83 minutes a night for for the big gold belt. He knows he, he's got the core on lock. I initially thought you meant he was going 83 minutes a night with the ladies. <laughs> That's why his <laughs> hips are so strong. And twice on Sunday. Uh, Space Mountain. <laughs> Woo! Uh, it, it's, it's a really good suplex. And he's had some really good suplexes throughout all these matches that we just don't give enough props to. Yeah. Ric Flair, good suplex. More chops, tossing Savage in the corners, knee drop by Flair. Heenan at this point on commentary wonders who Miss Elizabeth is going home with tonight. And we get a classic, will you stop? I this love that. Beautiful. It is. Love, that's Gorilla, right? I love Gorilla. That is Gorilla, yep. Uh, we get knee drops. We get uh, Flair drops Savage back first onto the apron. He really starts working the back of Savage kind of mm-hmm. early on here. Um, another suplex, or he suplexes Savage back into the ring for near fall. Uh, and that's this is really when Savage turns the tide. He catches Flair with a neck breaker, series of punches. Uh, Flair toss, tries to go tosses for, Flair off the top rope. Yeah, he tries to go for a thumb to the eye. He does the thumb to the eye and then tries to go up top for a move. Gets thrown, like you mentioned. Savage hits a bunch of fucking clotheslines of all different kinds. Flair does his like corner spot where he he does the little flip over the corner, uh, goes all the way across to the op to the to the corner on the opposite side, goes up, tries to go for a move. Savage catches him with a clothesline uh, for a near fall. This is where I realize how much I love Savage's taunt, where he has his hand on his waist and he does the little spinning point, like his little see circling in the air. That taunt, I don't know what it's supposed to mean. Do you know what it's supposed to mean when he does the little like, oh yeah, and he's just he's circling with his finger? Because uh, it's just like his wake up taunt. I don't know. I think it's just kind of like it, it's like a wave. I don't know. Everybody has a way of garnering the crowd. It just, it just gives it's the vibe. Stares, you know. Yeah. Warrior does the pump. I Sting love, does I, the chest. I, I fucking love this. This gets me going. This is the vibe right here. Just, just, <laughs> ooh, yeah. Like, yeah. Coy- like I'm watching Coyote Ugly. <laughs> just, ooh, yeah. The flashback you just gave me when you mentioned Coyote <laughs> Ugly. My God. My sister watched that movie so much, and I would just walk in and be why? like, why are the people at the fucking bar? Why was your sister watching Coyote Ugly so many times? I don't know. We I mean, didn't have that many movies movie, back then. Like, we didn't have geez. streaming. <laughs> Whatever movie you bought, you watched 400 times. Looking at you, Coach Carter. Looking at you, Commando. Oh, my God. That's a great choice. My dad. My dad had every Schwarzenegger VHS freaking put up for as, as high as I go. <laughs> that is a man of taste. Savage clotheslines Flair out of the ring. Savage goes with the diving axe hand to the outside and then runs Flair into the steps in the ring post, and he's busted open. We even get a Flair flop at ringside. Oh, yeah. It's just a fantastic flop. Uh, Savage does a suplex outside. Double axe handle off the top rope for an earfall. Scoop slam. Hits the flying elbow. But Mr. Perfect pulls him out when he goes for the cover. Shouldn't this be a disqualification? Technically, no. Explain. Because he didn't actually hit Savage. Like, he didn't. It's not a disqualification because he doesn't get physically, you know, get really physical with. with I believe the, it is considered a physical act to pull someone off of a pin. Uh, no, listen, if he had, like, 
gone in and like hit the dude to break up the pin it's like what's the difference between like what if perfect had pulled out i'm assuming it's hebner what if he had pulled out hebner is that a dq yes because that's laying hands on an official but he's not laying hands on the official he's he's, how's he pulling him up then what's he using he's guiding him out with the force that is generated from his arms (laughs) i think it should have been dq but that's you know whatever that is one thing I'll allow. I'll allow shit like that because it just keeps the match going. And I want to see more more flair in Savage. The ref is separating Savage and Perfect. And Perfect uh, is right there. And Savage pulls the ref, uh, pulls Perfect into the ref who separated them. So the ref kind of goes down, just kind of gets wonky. And Perfect yeah. at that point flips some brass knucks to Flair along along the ground. Flair uses them. Uh, uses yeah, but it's a near fall. Perfect uses like there's there's another distraction that goes on between Flair and Hebner. Perfect uses that as a distraction, uh, grabs a chair, runs over to Savage while he's laying down on the apron and just hits him right on the side with it. It's like the base the basement dropkick, except he just does a drive by with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Name a better drive by that or Roman Reigns's? I mean, this one has a chair, so <laughs> I vote this one. Yeah, but Roman just fucking. You know, he winds up and then he boots your ass in the face. Here comes Elizabeth down the ramp. And did you notice who was trying to get her to stay at bay? Was it Adam Pierce, Jamie Noble, and Fit Finley? No, but it definitely was Shane McMahon and Dave Hebner. <laughs> we get a shin breaker by Flair and a figure four locked in. Perfect's even helping Flair get leverage. He's holding on to him, so it's a stronger figure four. Yeah, Hebner sees that, kicks Perfect's arm away. Yeah. Uh, uh, it allows Savage to get the momentum to, to break out of the hold. Uh, Savage gets a small package for a near fall that I really thought was going to be the finish. So did I. I 100% thought that was the finish. Uh, Flair working Savage um, in the corner. And then he says, uh, this is for you, baby. Woo! To Elizabeth, who's just ringside. And then we get to the finish. Go on, Evan. Savage, a Savage kick gets caught. But then he rolls up Flair and uses the tights to win the belt. I like it. Cheat yeah. against Ric Flair. It's, it's it's how it's supposed to be done. If the person is cheating against you, I am A-OK with you cheating against them. Flair kisses Elizabeth after the match. She slaps him and Savage jumps him and just sees red. Yeah. Randy I mean, Savage. wouldn't last too long. No, I, actually, is this Flair's last match in WWE? No, it, he would last until, I believe, May, and then he would head back to WCW. WCW. Oh, actually, no. It was uh, He would make it to February 93. Oh, so all the, way, all the way to February 93. Fuck? Yeah, he teamed with Razor Ramon against Savage and Perfect in Survivor Series. He lost a loser leaves WWF match to Perfect uh, the night after the 93 Rumble. What the hell? I did not know any of that. Well, this is why we do this, so we learn these things. Our next match is an overbooked shit show. And involves the wrestler that the two of us hate the most. The most. It is Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. It is a career versus career WCW World Heavyweight Championship cage match with Mr. T as the special guest referee what a nightmare that's too many descriptions 
Is it 1988, Evan? No, it is 1994. What? You mean to tell me these people aren't in a wheelchair? Halloween Havoc, 1994. I can't stress what a nightmare this match is in terms of booking. I don't think we need to talk about a lot of the in-ring action because it's the same. I'm going to try to summarize it. You tell me if I got it exactly right. Flair gets some offense in. Hulk Hogan does his stupid little Hulk up taunt. He powers back. Flair cheats in some way to get the advantage back. Repeat that five times and then shenanigans. Yeah, you got that one. I fucking nailed it. Okay. I'll do what I can here because uh, part of it is me taking shots at Hulk Hogan. Hogan, as soon as the match starts, immediate boot to the gut and irate to Ric Flair because Hulk Hogan is a heel masquerading as a fucking baby face and no one can ever convince me otherwise. Flair has Sherry at ringside. Hogan has Beefcake and Jimmy Hart. Michael Buffer has... Baby face doesn't sit right with me. Michael Buffer has a a good paycheck to be here. Yeah, well, he's got a voice of an angel. And Mr. T has a Letterman jacket on while he's referee. <laughs> Muhammad Ali is ringside. <laughs> Once I saw that, I was like, you're subjecting Muhammad Ali to this shit. Admittedly, Ali was a big pro wrestling guy. He was. He was. But this is barely pro wrestling. This is. Well, this is also. Is this the first like non-live sh- event? Uh, is this the first ever like pay-per-view match between Flair and Hogan? This is either the first or it's the rematch. I think it's the rematch. That's why it has so many stakes. I think that's the rematch. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, But, you know, it's a big event, you know? It's also, hey. Yes, their first first one was at Bash of the Beach, and then they would have this steel cage retirement match. You know, in kayfabe, this is the last match for one of these two guys. So, may as well. Uh, Anyways, like you mentioned, this is just a lot of rinse and repeat. You know, Flair tries ramming Hogan into a cage. Hogan catches himself, rams Flair into the cage, and just does it repeatedly, repeatedly. Uh, Mr. T pushes it. Mr. T gets physical. You forgot that that part of the, yes. the rinse and repeat. Uh, Mr. Flair T starts- breaks, up, breaks up. Hogan chokes Flair with a shirt, and Mr. T breaks up for some reason. It's a cage match. What? Uh, Hogan's bald spot gets some offense, and then uh, Flair starts working over Hogan. The, there's an axe handle off the top. Uh, Flair actually connects on an axe handle off the top. Calling Hogan's bald spot a spot is just not fair to spots, okay? <laughs> like, I've seen, if I had a dog, right? And it had, and I was like, it's got a spot. And it was 85% black. You'd be like, you have a black dog. And I'd be like, no, see all that white around near his feet and his tail? He's, he's white with a black spot. And you'd be like, no, that's a black dog. Hogan's bald with a fucking fringe, okay? <laughs> Hogan's bald with like a hula skirt around the outside of his head. It's this. I just just shave it, just shave it, just commit, just commit. Oh, got curtain going around. Cur- curtains on this man. Oh, Sorry man. to this man. You know Hogan was making really good money with McMahon. You tell me, my man can get some Rogaine, some plugs, some, some just- plugs. Some Joe Bucks. Oh, man. It's just... Oh, it's- hat. <laughs> <laughs> Put oh, a my God. Mr. America the whole way through. Uh, I want to say 
because I talked about how this match is rinse and repeat. Flair does some really good offense in here. Like he's a very talented guy. It's just yeah. this match. I because I, the way I picked the matches, so I picked the matches for this specifically, and I looked up like most important Ric Flair matches. We don't usually look at the best. If we have like a five star match, look in that they only have one. We'll try to fit it in. But, you know, try to pick high-rated matches, important feuds, people you should know. And you got to have a Hogan match in there. They're like, if you're going to watch a Hogan match, this is the one. How in the world is this the one? It's because you said important, and this is career versus career, man. Um, anyways, Flair has uh, starts strutting around because he's amazing. You get some chops. Hogan counters with shots. Because Ric Flair could never get a chop off without someone either punching him back or no-selling it. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's go to kind of some of the, the developments of the match a little later on. Uh, Hogan's hulking up. Flair actually moves Mr. T in the way, and Hogan levels him. Uh, yeah. While that happens, Flair stomps Mr. T. Yeah, you know, I didn't understand why, but then I was like, you know, Ric Flair is just an old white man, if you think about it. It's probably just... Sherry is on the cage, and Jimmy Hart pulls her down, and she loses her pants. Because wrestling. Because wrestling. The cameraman gets taken out. Uh, Sting stops Sherry for entering. Sting is one of the one of the people sitting around ringside, and Sting looks like Max Headroom, which... Is a hundred percent accurate in this exact moment in time. He hijacked that station. It was Sting. He was testing out his crow capabilities before he switched. All right, he's always been on the outside. Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> Sting gets taken out by somebody in the mask with a pipe. Who's this man? I don't know. I was going to ask you. I I don't know. Who this man? Oh, right. Of course. Of course it's him. I, who, who, of course oh, is it Beefcake? Of course it's Beefcake! It's fucking Zodiac or whatever the fuck he becomes. Brother Broody. Brother Broody? What the that, what? that was his name. Brother Broody. Okay, anyways. So Sherry's in the ring. She handcuffs Mr. T. Um, they ram Hogan into the pipe that's being like you know, I guess held I guess brother on the- Broody, brother Broody's hanging it over the side of the cage and they run him into it. Flair suplex. And then Hogan starts no selling for some fucking reason. Hulks up, takes out both Flair and Sherry, actually hits Sherry a bunch. The yeah. suplex or slams her a bunch. Sherry tries to escape and Hogan's like, no, no, no. Uh, d- dumps her ass. Flair gets ran into the cage repeatedly. He hulks up again. Big boot, leg drop. Mr. T counts to fall. Hogan wins. Flair's retiring. And we've got a fucking beefcake guy, I guess. Two things. Three things. Three things. Motherfucker. Mr. T's handcuffed. Hold on. One. We'll start with that. We forgot the part where Mr. T got handcuffed to the rope. By Sherry while he was out cold. For some reason. Two, Ric Flair could have won the match because he wants to pin Hogan. And after Hogan gets run into the pipe, 
but he can't because he beat the shit out of Mr. T, who was the only referee. And also, he tried to escape a bunch. Could he win by escape? Is that a thing we're allowed to do in WCW? No idea. Three. I I forgot three because of how fucking shit the rest of this was. I can't. what happens to Sherry? The fact, the fact that that's I remembered three. The fact that Beefcake is not even being brought in to be like the the guy that Hogan's with. He's gonna feud with Hogan. Like, how much money can you get your boy? Like, don't get me wrong. I get a good job in the wrestling business. I'm bringing you along, Javi. I'm bringing you with me. All right. Word. But to one company, then you can figure it out on your own. <laughs> am I the mouth of this? Or am I going to be the mouth or am I the talent? What, you're the talent. I'm the, I am the manager. I'm the, you're the talent. God, you're my Stokely. I'm your, I, I'm your I am W. Stokely. Morrissey. Yeah, exactly. Can't teach that. Uh, you want to know how Flair? Guess how Flair returned to wrestling. Guess how they explained it. Uh, a week later when they were like, uh, it doesn't count because my guy was handcuffed. No, he'd actually be gone for a number of months. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he would actually be gone for a couple of months. He's come back under a mask. Is that what happened? No, January 95. uh, He does an interview. He attacks Hogan at Super Bowl V. Began appearing as a part-time manager for Vader. Developed a short-lived angle where he was possessed. I don't... I've never even heard about that part. Is that when he was, like, taking off his clothes? I, I don't know. I think that's just what he does for fun. But then his return to wrestling was explained by having him annoy Hogan and Savage into letting him come back to wrestling. He annoyed them so much that they went to WCW to say, bring Flair back so we can beat him up again. And somehow this led to 83 weeks where WCW beat the WWF. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we have another War Games match. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Back from the break, and we have Fall Brawl 1996. 1996 is when things were hot, so it's the NWO versus Team WCW. We talked about this one briefly on our Sting episode, and we will get to why later. But Team WCW is Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, and Sting. Very weird to see Ric Flair and Sting on the same page, but, you know, it happens. And Team NWO is, of course, the original three, Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and... Sting. Very confusing. NWO says they have Sting. WCW says they have Sting. What's happening? What it was Jeff Farmer. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. What happens to him? He goes to the, he goes to Japan and is weirdly popular. 
not Jeff Farmer. I don't care about Jeff Farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's talk about the actual in-ring action. It starts with Scott Hall and Arn Anderson, which is solid. Yeah, it's good shit here. Um, They go at it for the first five minutes. Uh, Hall gets a couple right hands in. They send uh, Arn into the corner. Anderson counters, hits some shots of his own. Uh, he, he, uh, Scott gets thrown into the cage. Uh, Arn stumps a fucking mud hole into him. Yep. If you listen closely to the recording, you can hear Evan's cat in the background. It's a beautiful Just... thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Anderson gets back on the offense. He ki- he, uh, he kicks out, uh, gets back on the offensive. He kicks out the leg of Scott Hall's leg, um, puts him in a leg lock. Hall escapes from the second row or escapes to the other ring, which is yeah. noteworthy because there's two rings. If you're getting your ass beat, just fucking run. Just, just leave. You have room to run. This is the only time where you really have room to and, run in wrestling. And you know what? I'm just going to say it right now. If I'm going up and the other person's Arn Anderson, I'm just going to run the whole time. Arn's not catching me. <laughs> I guarantee that one. This is where I will also admit that I was watching this match while doing my fantasy football draft. So, well, there's a fucking spine buster, which is the real the real meat and potatoes of this. There's there's a spine buster. It's the creme de la creme, as we always say. Arn Anderson spine buster is not only just the best spine buster in the history of professional wrestling. It might honestly be the greatest move in the history of wrestling done by an individual. They do the coin sauce backstage this time, and of course the heels win, so the NWO get the advantage. And it's Nash who's here next. So Nash and Hall. Uh, Arn gets big booted because Hall holds him. <laughs> it just holds him in place so Nash can big boot him, and I like that. That's only really the only notable note I have when it's just the two-on-one there. They're just beating up Arn. Uh, yeah, Nash does some snake eyes. Hall takes him out, takes out uh, Arn with a clothesline. They start kicking him. And time expires, and Lex Luger comes in. But the best part is the timer says there's still like 10 seconds left when Luger shows up, and commentary just explains it away by saying, it's war. Nope, it's a, it's a match that has rules. No, it's not war, Evan. It's war games! Uh, this is where I paused the match to focus fully on my fantasy draft, but then I came back. Uh, Luger hitting a ton of clothesline sends Hall into the cage wall. Nash stops him with a big blow to the back. Uh, this cage looks like it is held together with scotch tape. Dude, I would be so fucking scared. The corners so scared. have way too much gap between the different pieces of metal. It's not properly latched on, and nobody can convince me otherwise. No. Uh, the next person out is obviously Hogan, because they have to wait for the Sting reveal. Uh, Hogan meets Luger and Arnie's throwing hands. The faces manage to corner Hogan and then get a little bit of the advantage still, but NWO just gets it right back. Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't last very long, like you mentioned. Hall and Nash come to come to the assist. Um, they get the numbers advantage. They get the advantage uh, because of the numbers game. Arn throws Hogan into the cage. Uh, he gets taken out by Hall from behind. Arn throwing Hogan into the cage is my love language. It is it is one of the purest sights I've ever seen. Just <laughs> you want you want it written into your vows. Just. The sight of Arn, this just the coolest dad in wrestling, just throwing Hogan into the cage. Oh, that's good Honey, shit. I love you like Arn Anderson throwing Hulk Hogan into the cage. Inject that directly into my vein. Do not dilute, just pure. P- 
put it in. I'll let Nash uh, take turns working over Luger in the corner. Hogan hits a leg drop on Arn. Time expires. And who's up next, baby? It's Ric Flair. He's jogging out, gets in right away, and just holds the other ring. Everything else is happening in one ring. Ric Flair just holds the other ring and is like, you will come to me because Ric Flair is a smart man. Yeah, he challenges Hogan. Hogan uh, makes his way over. The two men go go toe to toe. They they they're looking at each other. The crowd's going crazy. Flair knocks Hogan down to the mat. Uh, WCW clearly has the advantage because on the other side, Luger gets a slam on Hall. Uh, Ho- Ho- ah, ah. Flair puts the figure four on Hogan. There's too many H H's in this motherfucker. Um, Nash hits a power bomb on Luger. Right as time expires, the NWO have a man coming in. Evan, who is it? It's Sting. What a bamboozle. And here's the thing, is when you look at him, it looks like Sting. In terms of finding a doppelganger, they did a really good job. Yeah, it's a solid job. It's not fake Diesel, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's... God, no. Um... It's not NWO. Steve Bordenstein. It's Jeff Farmer Sting. <laughs> Solid guy. Uh, NWO Sting takes out Luger, works him into the corner. The NWO get full control. They they like Hogan's working on Flair in the corner, slams his head against the cage. NWO Sting stomps a mud hole into Arn. Um, Hogan hits Flair with another leg drop. Sting uh, hits a stinger, stinger splash on everyone. And then the time comes to reveal who's the last man in. And who's the last man in, Evan? It's Sting. And at this point, the fans have been chanting, we want Sting, which is funny because they have eyeballs. So they can obviously see that, that is not Sting from, from close up. Um, plus, I, I want to talk about the fact that Arn Anderson, Sting has been like the, the loyal soldier for WCW, right? He's, he's a WCW guy. Arn sees that a guy who looks like Sting is coming into the ring for NWO and just goes, I have to punch him, and just throws hands immediately. He has no hesitation. The horsemen always turn on Sting. That's how it works. The real Sting shows up. And honestly, they both look good, but the second you see real Sting, you're like, that's real Sting. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the difference between drinking like a, a, a Pepsi and an RC Cola. You're like, that's RC Cola. You know why? Because it tastes like sadness. <laughs> okay. This is a very specific thing that only you care about. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, he takes out every member of the NWO, including NWO Sting. He hits a stinger splash on everyone in sight. When he hits the stinger splash on NWO Sting, I thought they'd form into just a bigger Sting. Like you thought they would just, come together like in Dragon Ball Z? They they they'd fusion. Well, essentially, I thought they just like like they just formed like fused together. Like you know, remember that like twenty forty eight game you play for a while is popular where you made yeah. the numbers, and they would they just become like Sting Four, and you're like, oh, oh cool, Jesus. Sting Four. Oh shout shout out to Gogeta Sting. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the team stands around while Sting takes everyone out. Uh, Sting Luger- says, "Is that good enough?" To all of them, flips them off and leaves. Yeah, when Luger is trying to apologize to him, he doesn't give a shit. Because the whole time, NWO have been saying, like, we have Sting on our team, we have Sting on our team. 
And the rest of his teammates, you know, Arn and Luger and Flair didn't believe Sting. He was like, that's not me. Like, I'm going to, I'm with you guys. Don't worry about it. And so Sting shows up, kicks the ass of the NWO and leaves, which is all he would do for the next two years. Yeah. And if you want more uh, in-depth knowledge on this story of Sting during this time period, go listen to our Sting episode. Yeah, we did a three-parter on Sting. So go listen to Sting. It's partly part two. So... Hogan gets a leg drop and for some reason tries to bite Luger's nose. Don't quite understand what's going on there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't the, really the, the main school of offense. Uh, Flair chops Hall in the corner. Nash takes him out from behind. NWO Sting puts a scorpion death lock on Luger. Uh, Hogan puts him in a front face lock at the same time. Nick Patrick, the crooked ref of all crooked refs, says Luger gave up and the match ends. What a deflating ending. Like the Sting stuff was really awesome. And then they're like a Scorpion Deathlock plus a front face lock. That's what'll get him. Oh, yeah. I hate it here. Uh, kind of a disappointing ending, but I did like seeing the Sting stuff. And Ric Flair, despite not being in it for a long time, was really good. Ric Flair's good at the wrestling. Shocker. Ric Flair, really, really good wrestler. Speaking of really, really good wrestlers, let's look at the last match. It's Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. WCW sold out 1998. Bret Hart's in-ring debut for WCW. No, Evan, you sold out. I will. I've said this multiple times. Ready and willing. Somebody <laughs> come is, by me. I will. F- I will sell out today. This is objectively probably the best match of the bunch, in my opinion. It's a great dream match. I think I, I like I the think Savage the match. match better. I think the Savage match is is it for me, and then this is second. You know, I said objectively, Evan, so you're wrong, clearly. Um, Don't you, Do you think that, like, I, I I know you're not a WCW guy, but, like, anytime you see a clip from, like, 98 to 2000 WCW, it just has this weird, distinct look that I can't explain. Dude, it's like it's like the hue is different. It's all it's what di- it feels like. It feels different. It's just, you're like, that's not, like, something's, like, I know exactly what time frame this is. I couldn't look at, like, I, I bet I could identify, you show me 10 clips of WCW, I'm like, that was 99. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, you know what it is. It's it's like I feel like the colors are like slightly off. Yeah, that's yeah. just always what I feel like it is. Um, it, it also feels like I'm in a bizarre world because why the fuck is Bret Hart here? What are we doing? That's true. Bret's got the classic look. He's got the black jacket. He's got the pink and black singlet. He gives the kids the shades. It's all the things you know and love about Bret Hart. Yeah, Bret starts grinding Flair down with a side headlock almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, puts on a figure four. Flair is immediately on the rope, so it doesn't it lasts all of one zero point five seconds. Then we get an excellent slap fight, which uh, Hart wins because it knocks Flair to the ground. Slap, slap, slap. slap, slap, slap. Uh, he suplexes Flair uh, into the ring from the apron for a near fall. Immediately slaps on a side headlock. Yeah, this is where I wrote down the note about like how weird it is that Flair's kind of bounced around the upper mid card for a while. And like he'd feud with like his son and like a couple other random people. It's a weird it's a weird spot to have Ric Flair in, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, at the same time, like I get it because it's just NWO countries and Ric Flair doesn't really fit the NWO stuff. So he it's kind yeah. of like we've got the NWO stuff. It's really what we're trying to promote and push here as a company. But here's also Ric Flair. But also we have Ric Flair still. Isn't that neat? Yeah, he's here. Uh, here, uh, Bret Hart. <laughs> Flair with a thumb to the eye in the corner, and also a great choice to have somebody for his first match. What a dream match, right? Heart yeah. Flair, have it while it's still hot. 
Uh, Flair gets some offense because he gets a thumb to the eye in the corner, some shots, some chops. Hart tries to hit a sleeper, but Flair immediately counters into a back suplex. Good heady move by yeah, Ric Flair. He really starts grinding down Brett, uh, drops a knee onto him, rakes the face. Uh, Brett does eventually get the get gets a little bit of momentum back on his side. It's a swinging neck breaker that looked a little awkward to set up, but will out because it's Bret Hart. Yep. Um, Brett does a ro- the the rope assisted shin breaker that Flair usually does. He does it again. He actually does it two times. Yeah. Um, he just starts working the hell out of Flair's left knee, which is really going to be the story of the match going forward. Is apparently left knees are popular. Yes. I did read on a Reddit post, I'm going to ruin something for people, and that's fine, that apparently in most Western wrestling, you will always work the left side or left appendage of whatever of your opponent so that it's easier to remember. You always work the left, the left leg, the left arm, the left shoulder. It's always the left. And then for some reason in Japanese wrestling, it's the right. I don't know how true this, this holds, but I learned that before watching all the Ric Flair matches, and it holds up entirely. Through these matches. I don't even know why you saw that on Reddit, but oh, you know what? We're, we're, we move, we move. Um, it was one. Of, it was one of those like rules you've learned about wrestling, or things you learned in wrestling that like kind of took things out for you, like the whole like stomping when you punch, you know, or like the thigh slaps. The thigh um, slaps, yeah. Brett was going to do something with the post. I don't know. I don't know if he was going to set up for the the uh, sharpshooter on the po- around the post, or if he was going to just. I think he was just going to throw Flair's his leg into the post. Yeah, but Flair ended up booting him all the way back into the guardrail. He starts messing with Brett's knee, Brett's left knee. Um, he just starts pulling at it. He does all this other stuff. Eventually, back in the ring, Brett hits an enziguri. Uh, Flair go, tries to go for a figure four. Brett turns it into a small package for a near fall. Yeah. Uh, when they get up, Flair hits a chop block. A fucking nasty chop block, too. Yeah, that was some like a Donegan Sue type shit. <laughs> I loved I loved Sue. Like, I hated that he played for a division rival. I mean, you get this, too. You're a Vikings fan. Yeah. I mean, listen, I didn't like him. Up until he did that shit against the Packers, and then I was all in. That was my guy. That's fair. Uh, I always liked him. I thought he was a really like special, you know, player. And then I was like, just have really good games against everyone other than my Packers. That would be awesome. Um, and I was the opposite. Just have really good games against everyone except for the Vikings, but also especially the Packers. Yes, because you are a hater of the highest degree. Absolutely. I would much rather throw away the Super Bowl for this season if Aaron Rodgers has the worst record in football. Well, as long as we take away his hallucinogenic drugs, he might have a terrible time. Uh, well, you know. Bigger floor is locked in by Flair. It's flipped by Hart. Uh, Flair goes to the top rope. A terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> Brett meets him there. Throws him. Uh, Flair does send chest, uh, Hart chest first into the turnbuckle, and then Hart hits a Russian leg sweep. So they're kind of trading momentum. Yeah, it's back and forth for a while. Uh, Flair goes for a ton of chops. Hart no sells. Pulls down the straps. Flair keeps going with this with the chops. Doesn't matter. At one point here, uh, Flair hits an atomic drop. Hart no sells it. Headbutts Rick. I fucking love the count. Like the response of you atomic drop me. I headbutt you right away. <laughs> yeah, immediately. That's some fucking Tomohiro Ishii type shit. Yeah, exactly. That's some weird, strong style nonsense of like, oh, you think you can do this to me? No, no. No, no. No, no. No, no. Um, 
Brett does his middle rope elbow drop for a near fall. Little down the line, slaps on the sharpshooter. Ric Flair almost immediately gives up. And Bret Hart wins. Yeah, Flair is a great choice uh, to put over the younger talent. Uh, which is weird yeah. to say, but it's true. I don't know. It, it, I guess at this stage of Flair's career, he's probably like a lot of what... It's like Seth Rollins, you know, like when a guy gets comes up and, and you need someone to fit like Cody Rhodes debuts. Who do we put him with? Seth Rollins. Drew McIntyre just wins the championship at WrestleMania. Who do we put him with? Seth Rollins. Yeah. You know, he's like a really dependable guy. You know, you know, you're going to get a good match out of him. He's really good at being the heel. He might be able to work some baby, but he's a really good heel. Uh, so you just throw him on with there, get some good matches. Let the person get some credibility because this guy's obviously as credible as it gets. Mm, it's know? just so like, weird because Ric Flair like is the older and like Bret Hart's the young up and comer technically between the two of them. He's probably like in his late thirties. So Flair was forty eight when this match happened. I'm gonna look up how old Bret Hart was. If I had to guess, Bret's probably like thirty five, thirty six. Bret would have been forty one when this match happened. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. So, those are all five matches for Ric Flair in the 90s, but we have some important information about Ric Flair in the 90s that I feel like I need to share. April 98, Flair disappeared from WCW television due to a lawsuit filed by Eric Bischoff for no showing a live episode of Thunder in the beginning of April in Tallahassee, Florida. After the case was settled, Flair made a surprise return on September 14, 98, to ceremoniously reform the Four Horsemen, this, of course, being Mongo McMichael, Dean Malenko, and Dickhead himself. Shout out to Mongo. I saw that picture Mongo. that Flair yeah. posted about him. Yeah. You know, he looks like he's in he's in tough way. If you yeah. know, Mongo McMichael's dealing with ALS. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not, he's not looking great right now, but hopefully he's able to pull through on the other side. Yeah. Flair would, and this is a rapid-fire thing of just skimming through his Wikipedia. This is everything until the end of WCW. He would become the on-screen WCW president after a few with Eric Bischoff, be turned on by his son, pause, win the title due to the biased officiating of Charles Robinson, a.k.a. Lil Nate, who loved him too much, form a stable as president to keep his power, lost the title to Sting, and had the final Nitro match with Sting, which we have covered. And then we get into the 2000s Flair, which is next week's episode. Stay That's tuned for right. more. Next week is going to be Ric Flair in the 2000s. What do you think going and th- watching these matches? God, this was a shit show. Like coming off the 80s where like every match was kind of like a certifiable banger yeah. to fucking whatever that mess was with the Hulk Hogan. They Good didn't know Lord. what to do with him for parts for stretches of the nineties, like early nineties. Like I said, they had a, a plan. Still, he was still he was still Flair. Especially, I think bouncing WWF was a great move for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was the exact right time. He, it 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 made him fresh, you know. And then he could go back and it still stay a little fresh. But like ninety six, like NWO era, like how does Flair, a staple of the eighties? fit in against the nwo it just feels weird you know what i mean it doesn't but it's weird because then he reinvents himself when he gets to wwf and has a couple of really notable fantastic runs yeah and we will absolutely cover that next we week. will javier where can people find you on social media i'm on the twitter machines at jmelo sports follow the boy 
Follow me on Twitter at it 7 gomes I-T-S-E-V-A-N-G-O-M-E-S. Follow the podcast, most importantly of all, at Crossbody of Work on the Twitter. Javier, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Ooh. Any final advice for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier, we're going to tackle something together here, people. This is advice, but it's also, you know, like I, I also need some advice on this. So, but but I'm, I'm able to provide because it's something that I'm currently experiencing in the moment. Um, Evan is, 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 you know, getting married uh, at the end of this month. Shout out. And I have to go Ooh. up there to, can- to, to good old Canada again. And in doing so, I had to uh, book somewhere to stay. And in order to do so, I had to call the the the, the place that, that this is all taking place in to get the group rate because that's what, you know, resorts, hotels, so on and so forth do. They, they provide group rates so that it's cheaper yeah. all around, but also they know that they're going to get a lot of money off of this, uh, which meant talking on the phone. And if you're like me, you had fucking phone anxiety, much less when it comes to talking to people that you do not know. Evan, I... It's bad for me. It's really bad. Like, I even get, like, weird about talking to my own fucking parents on the phone. Like, I don't like doing it. I, I get weird talking to my girlfriend, which is why I strictly FaceTime her. FaceTime is, like, a different thing. Like, I don't mind FaceTiming people. But yeah. talking over the phone, can't do it. It's just so nerve-wracking. I hate it so much. So this week on Life Advice with Javier, we're going to get through this together, people. We're going to all work on this. We're going to all work on on our phone anxiety because, God damn it, if I can't call a goddamn resort in Canada to, to, to take my shit, then I don't know what the hell to do here. I ended up doing it. It turned out fine. But I just want everyone out there, you know, we're all afraid of talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we're all terrified of Bro. it. But, damn it, get through it because at the end, you'll have a resort booked or something. I don't know. When you're calling like a business, write down all the information and all the questions you have because sometimes I find I get flustered and I might forget a question or two. Make sure you have all the information written down so that way you can just keep looking. It's weird because that's the thing is usually you're calling from the comfort of your own home. You can just have your notes. Nobody knows you have notes, but you can have notes. It's not bad. And then the other thing is if you hate talking on the phone is to practice with people who you have no problem talking to, right? Like, just talk on the phone. Like, if, if 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 it's your parents that you're able to talk to or your siblings, just call them. And just They might be like, why, why are you talking to me? It's like, just, you know, want to chat or whatever. You know what's another thing that really helped me when I was doing that is I had my girlfriend just sit on the couch behind me. Yes. Like, I was at so, the desk, had her sitting over person. there. Yep. Yeah. At one point, I had to, like, pause the phone call to, like, ask her questions. I'm like, hey, is this okay? And I, I don't know. I felt like I got, I felt very adult in that moment. Yes. Cause we're all growing up, you know, like, like Kavir said, three weeks from the time you will listen to this, I will be married. So yeah, we got some good content coming up for that too. We'll talk about that after the end of next week's episode, but we're done. We're out. We've made it through part two of Ric Flair next week. We're back with Ric Flair in the two thousands. God, it's going to be a fun time. I'm sorry. I love you. Super kick to the face. It's going to be great. And that is exactly what I'm going to do to you at your wedding. Can't wait. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.